Travis Ryer with a reminder that Second Helping is now a part of a new network. That's right. Moving forward, Second Helping is teamed with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, with the Pigskin Podcast Network as our primary platform, you'll still be able to hear us wherever you consume podcasts and will be brought to you in part by DraftKings, a partnership we'll tell you more about a little later in the program. For now, though, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics. The Southeastern Conference, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined, as I always am, by my great friend, co-host Brent Beard, longtime college football analyst, most recently at First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent, of course, also a voter for the most prestigious individual honor in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. And boy, Brent. We got a lot to look back on. We got a lot to preview, and we've got an expanded college football playoff on the horizon. Well, we sure do, Trav. Good to be with you as always. And uh, I had a had a great opening weekend. <laughs> it's now virtually an opening week in the trail from that Thursday through Monday. Some really top notch games coming up. This weekend, and yes, playoff expansion. Uh, and and as far as the uh, the the latest with that, uh, the the presidents basically approved uh, a twelve team ex- expanded uh, tournament by unanimous vote. They want to have it going by twenty twenty four. The commissioners now uh, have the uh, uh, the duty of getting this done and filling out the details, trying to get it done by 24, 25. They will meet on Thursday uh, in order to get that done. So uh, it, it, it hadn't been just enough to deal with the games, Trav. We've got the expansion on top of it, too. Yeah, it's crazy. And with uh, conference expansion, realignment, now an expanded playoff, it just seems like there's a bomb a week. Yeah, really? on us. NIL. I can't remember uh, a stretch within a year or so where college athletics in general has changed as much as it has over the last 12 to 18 months. Well, you and I have been doing this since the early 90s, and obviously we're following it before then. We've had more change in uh, college football uh, over the last probably two years than we have the previous 20 yeah. Uh, frankly, in Travis, I, I thought this was staggering. Uh, as you taught me years ago, you always follow the money. The, <laughs> the, the ACC now, uh, their media rights per year, uh, the, in last year, 21, 22, 30 million per school. That's <laughs> up, that's up from 27 million, but Trav, oh my Look at that Big Ten that they're figuring they're going to be averaging and sit around $50 million with their new media rights deal. It's going to be probably next year $72 million. Mm. Boy, that, Travis, that's quite a comparison to that, that. You know, that 30 sounded really good with the ACC. Then you put that 72 from the Big Ten up against it. Uh, that makes you think a little bit, don't it? Yeah, well, and, you know, with this expanded playoff on the horizon, 
I think you're going to have more and more folks fall in line with the nine conference games yeah. if they already aren't there. Absolutely. Because that'll give them the opportunity to go back to the negotiating table, you know, for that extra conference game where TV rights are concerned. Yeah. So no doubt it all absolutely ties in to one another. Hey, Brent, let's get into some on the field talk. You made the trip to Florida field last Saturday night. What a thrilling ending, really just a great game from start to finish where Utah and Florida were concerned. Uh, man, I, I watched it on television. Uh, I was in Gainesville last year for the Alabama game. That was a two point game and the place was electric. I can only imagine had to feel like the retro swamp on Saturday night with that game unfolding there. It was deafening. Uh, there's no doubt. There was a there was an atmosphere there that really had not been showing up in quite a while. But it was a tremendous win for Florida over a ranked team. And look, let's be fair here. This Utah team's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this for a while. Cam Rising is a Big time quarterback Tavian Thomas at running back. So uh, frankly, even Gator fans would tell you uh, when they calm down a little bit that Utah probably should have even won the game. But Anthony Richardson shows, and, and we use the phrase "lightning in a bottle," and he can do that. But their strength is their their offensive line and their running backs with Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne. Uh, among that group, uh, Naquan Wright, uh, and it really showed they've got a lot of work to do in the passing game. But, but Travis, we're now looking at a situation that I, I, I think very few people thought was possible, that a win over a good Kentucky team, and there's still some questions about their personnel, Florida being 2-0, and uh, would have been unthinkable wouldn't it, three months ago, Travis. No, we both liked Utah in the game. And you can point at a couple of malfunctions there down inside the Florida 10 on Saturday yes. night. And uh, circle those, certainly. Uh, I think there's also a belief among Utah people that Rising may have actually scored on one of those plays down there and was ruled short. Uh, but Utah did not capitalize on, on some key opportunities And you said it last week, the offensive line and the backs for Florida, and they were absolutely huge. And then you combine Richardson with his legs to go along with those running backs, and you're looking at nearly 300 rushing yards for Florida uh, in that win. So very impressive. I also thought Richardson, once he became more comfortable throwing the football, Ricky Pearsall with some big grabs, Xavier Henderson did some good things. Again, not an electric group of receivers, but they got what they needed out of their receivers in the win. So as you said, Kentucky up next for the Florida Gators. That's coming up this week. Uh, That is also a primetime matchup in the swamp. Two top 20 teams in Kentucky and Florida. And Kentucky coming off a win of itself seemed like it took the cats a little bit to get going, Brent. Uh, but got the win nonetheless, more concerning as you've talked about throughout the preseason is the availability of Chris Rodriguez. And I think they've also had an injury of note here at the running back position in the last couple of days, or at least last Saturday night against Miami. 
they really like Raymond Jefferson, uh, and he was really playing well for them. Uh, torn ACL. What a shame yeah. uh, that that happened. And again, unfortunately, the broken record that we don't know about the availability of of uh, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, he missed the first game. Uh, he was suspended. Very little coming out, and I would be very surprised if the Kentucky coaches come out this week with any more information on that. Tavion Robinson, a wide receiver, six catches, Travis, 136 yards, so he was a bright spot with that. But again, Gator fans in their euphoria need to realize this is a good Kentucky team, and uh, if Chris Rodriguez is able to play, I think puts him on another level at this point, but I, but I still give um, the uh, uh, this Florida coaching staff is just a different cat right now under Billy Napier with what he's got planned, uh, how they carried it out. Uh, I tell you what, they are feeding a little bit off Napier's personality. As someone mentioned to me yesterday, he's he's a very centered individual and and Trav, at least in the early going, I think his team is showing some of that too. It's kind of a shame coming up this week because that noon window is loaded up. Really is. And we'll talk about Alabama, Texas as we wind things down on the podcast today, but South Carolina, Arkansas, as we've previewed a little bit here in the last few weeks, uh, big, big game in sec play for both these teams. Uh, to get things going. South Carolina took care of business over the weekend against Georgia State there in Columbia, Arkansas, a 31-24 win over a very solid Cincinnati club in Fayetteville. Uh, Let's start with Arkansas. Your primary takeaways for the Hogs following that win over an ranked opponent in the opener. Well, my first one is, is the job that Luke Fickle has done at Cincinnati has been amazing in it, Travis. All all those guys going to the NFL uh, in the secondary, Jerome Ford, quarterbacks, uh, and still to be able to come back and, frankly, uh, play Arkansas uh, as close as they could be. Very, very impressed with that Cincinnati club, but... The, the principles that we talked about before, K.J. Jefferson, 18-26 to 26 for 223. Raheem Sanders, a guy you've talked about during the preseason, 117 yards, really impressed uh, with that. A little bit of concern with the defense giving up 24 points, 325. But still, this Cincinnati team, you can do that. Uh, and and I, I think feel good that you've got you've come out of it and, and played well, Travis. This is a game uh, I like Arkansas. It may be close, particularly if Spencer Rattler gets hot uh, in this situation. Uh, but uh, I think Arkansas is a bit too much for them. I like uh, Sam Pittman. This staff's been together longer. I think that. That makes a little bit of a difference in this ball game that's coming up too. Uh, and and a very could you say this a this is a very under the radar game with people looking at uh, yeah. Alabama and Texas right now. This is a this is a huge game for the conference this weekend. It's a big game for Spencer Rattler as the starting quarterback for South Carolina. Can you go on the road 
and lead your team to a victory. I think the problem for South Carolina is the kind of game they would like is the kind of game that Arkansas thrives in. Now, we did see Jalen Catalan, I believe, go out yes, of that game yes. against Cincinnati. So that wasn't a, a welcome sight for Arkansas fans. The outstanding uh, Razorback defensive back who missed – uh, at least half of last season with a shoulder injury. So that'll be something to monitor as we continue to move throughout the week. But uh, if you like sort of old-fashioned football, yeah. this ought to be your kind of game. This should be more of a grinder. You know, K.J. Jefferson, you're watching the game Saturday, and you're thinking, man, he's not especially sharp today. And then you look at his final line against Cincinnati, 18-26, yeah. really? 223, and three touchies. So, <laughs> he was actually pretty he good, really but I'm with you. I think Arkansas a little bit, really, I guess you could say a year advanced yes. in what it is doing under Pittman as compared to where Beamer's at with that program at South Carolina. So we stay in that noon window on Saturday. Very intriguing matchup, a retro Big 12 matchup <laughs> uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, I believe, on Saturday as Missouri off that season opening win that we talked about on our previous podcast over Louisiana Tech uh, takes on the the Wildcats of K-State in another one of those early matchups and kind of a prove-it game, I would say, for Missouri this week. Uh, they continue to make some improvement. Can they continue to be able to do that uh, this week? Uh, and and this, I think this is a game that uh, that they really need Brady Cook uh, in the Louisiana Tech win, 18-27, 201. Uh, Nathaniel Pete, not, not, uh, not saying he's Tyler Beatty at this point, but uh, he and Cody Schrader, uh, both over 70 yards or right around that mark. So I think that is uh, important for them, K-State. Uh, beating South Dakota 34 to nothing uh, in that one. So, and again, uh, Travis, until Missouri runs off a little string of games here, and to their credit, they could. I'm not sure how much love that they're going to get at this point, but uh, also Dominic Lovett, one of their wide receivers, over 70 yards. But, uh, and, and again, uh, they're giving up points 24. But the Missouri beat writers are saying this defense has improved some, uh, particularly the run defense. And that, I think, is what we got our eye on more than anything else when it comes to Missouri. Yeah, this isn't Bill Snyder era K-State, but it's still a K-State that is capable of getting physical with the run game. And absolutely, that's where you'll be centered in terms of your focus on this Missouri team, which travels as a seven and a half point underdog for the matchup with K State, want to mention as well Arkansas laying eight and a half at home with South Carolina in town and Florida, maybe perhaps in regards or reaction to some of the questions about personnel for Kentucky, mm-hmm. a full touchdown favorite now over over the Wildcats at Kentucky on Saturday night. As well, so yeah, a very important non-conference matchup for Eli Drinkwitz's team. Speaking of non-conference action, the two and O Vanderbilt Commodores <laughs> gonna welcome Wake Forest to Nashville this weekend. Not so good news, I'd say, 
for Vandy here in the last couple of days when it comes to the quarterback position for Wake Forest? Uh, Sam Hartman is going to play. I mean, uh, Travis, we all thought that he might be out for the year uh, surgery to to address a blood clot. Oh, my. Uh, That just sounds rough. But we know what technology is today and and, uh, uh, glad to hear that he's going to be playing. Uh, Travis, could we make an argument right now that one of the – the better quarterbacks, at least, and performance is Vanderbilt's Mike Wright, uh, 18 of 29 to 245, ran for 84. Uh, so they're, they're putting almost unheard of offensive numbers. And again, it's just after a couple of games, but the doors 40 plus points in back to back games. For the first time since 2012, Trev, if we if we had taken that bet to Las Vegas before the season, what would be would we be a little wealthier right now? <laughs> yeah, speaking of Vegas, Vandy, a big time home dog on Saturday, yes. getting yes. 13 and a half with Hartman back in the lineup for the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. So we continue to move along here with Saturday slate. And we take a look at that 3.30 window and a big one up in the Berg. Tennessee travels to Pitt, two top 25 teams. Tennessee coming off a very impressive performance last Thursday night in its season opener over Ball State there in Knoxville. Pitt with a thrilling win over West Virginia in the backyard brawl on that same Thursday night. Um, I know Tennessee goes in here as the lower ranked team, but after watching those two teams and understanding Pitt was going against a better team in West Virginia than Tennessee saw in its opener, uh, feel a little strongly about Tennessee on the road Saturday. Not sure about you, Brent. Well, uh, and, and again, a nice win for Tennessee. Still some question marks uh, about that defensive line that struggle a little bit mm-hmm. uh, according to the uh, Tennessee beat writers uh, the principles that we thought would play well for uh, Tennessee certainly did in Hendon Hooker uh, Jalen Wright had 88 yards Jamari Small had 63 Cedric Tillman who Travis and I both really like had six catches Travis my main question here is uh, and again, for you and me, it usually comes back to the line of scrimmage in this Johnny Majors Bowl, as they're calling it, is do you tramp? Do you trust that Tennessee offensive line yeah. against that Pittsburgh defensive line, which next to Clemson, we understand, is considered the best D line in the ACC? Yeah, and I think both lines of scrimmage, you got a little bit of a concern there for Tennessee in this game. I do think the edge at the quarterback position is pretty significant with Hendon Hooker yeah. uh, on the Tennessee side of things. Keaton Slovis is capable, but I just didn't like uh, his play much at all against West Virginia. He almost had a feeling of Pitt winning in spite of yes. Keaton Slovis. Now, he made it, he made some plays, um, but consistency at the quarterback position, I think uh, that rests largely with Tennessee in this game. Tennessee is six and a half point favorite on the road in this one. So I think for Tennessee, you're hoping if you're a Vol fan that the way they go about their business on offense is something Pitt just can't 
replicate during the practice week because they go so fast and they spread you out so much. Uh, and the big play capability. I think if Tennessee's going to win this game, it's going to be in large part because there's a large discrepancy in explosive plays. Yes. And that they will they will sit with Tennessee more so than Pitt if that's the case. Also in that 3:30 window on Saturday, Texas A&M welcoming a dangerous Appalachian State team. How about that App State North Carolina game <laughs> last Saturday in Boone? DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right, there's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Certainly defensively, you feel really good about the Aggies moving forward, and it sounds like they're going to become perhaps even stronger in the next days and weeks. Well, the thing that impressed me about A&M in between the, uh, uh, the, the lightning delays was their defensive line uh, is very young, but when that group gels, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Haynes King uh, 20 of 31 for 364. Still don't think Jimbo's real happy with those two picks, Trav. Yeah. And they they struggle to run the ball. I, I'm uh, th- That was a concern for me. Um, uh, Devon A-Chain, 18 for 42, only 110 yards rushing. Anaya Smith doing Anaya Smith things with 164 yards on six catches. Uh, three sacks, six quarterback hurries. In that game, D.J. Durkin, as Travis and I talked about, who has been around the league, uh, Florida, Ole Miss, et cetera, doing a, doing a good job uh, in that situation. Max Johnson came on three or four for uh, 23 in that case. But, uh, Trav, uh, the, but by the way, uh, this AMP state team is, is it really – uh, it can be extremely dangerous. And again, we got to remember A&M playing Miami next week. But how about Gene Chizik in that D coordinator position, Trav, in North Carolina? Oh, gosh. Ha- sure hadn't come together yet, has it? Thank goodness for Drake May and, yes. and, that, and that Carolina offense because that was a nightmarish fourth quarter Ooh. for, uh, what was it, 40 points for yes. App or something yes. like that in the fourth quarter alone? Correct. That's yeah. crazy. Forty-one yeah. points. Wow. Chiz was hoping, was wishing he was back in those SEC yeah. Network studios. No I think doubt. in that fourth quarter. 
last Saturday. The Georgia Bulldogs fresh off the most impressive win of the young college football season. I don't think anybody would argue that. After the dismantling of Oregon last Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia gets its Southern Conference Saturday early on the schedule with Sanford making the short trip over from Birmingham in what should be a feel-good, another feel-good performance <laughs> for Kirby Smart's team. Yeah, they did every, everything and anything they wanted to do. Uh, Stetson Bennett was uh, 25 of 31 is good, even in the backyard with the neighborhood kids, <laughs> 368. Uh, I mean, they ran the ball with a plethora of backs. Uh, they threw the ball at will. Lad McConkey particularly played well uh, in the uh, in the game. They had seven seven penalties, uh, which probably in your first game uh, is is also okay. I tell you the thing that got my attention: Georgia allowed zero touchdowns for the fifth time in sixteen games. The 13th time that they have not allowed a rushing touchdown. Now, we've got to keep in mind here uh, that the big situation for Georgia is South Carolina next week as they get ready for Samford. Uh, uh, I'm just guessing, Travis, Bo Nix's performance now 0-4 mm. against, uh, against Georgia didn't surprise you, did it? No, and in fairness to Bo. Uh, that Oregon team wasn't ready for it was, 3.30, let alone prime no. time <laughs> no. in that in that debut under Dan Lanning. Don't worry, Dan. It can only get better from here really? because really? that was uh, – oof, you talk about forgettable debuts. That was that for, for Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. And, again, all the credit to Georgia for just absolutely taking apart a team that, you know, came into the game ranked 11th in the country. So – uh, hell of a hell of an opening performance for Georgia uh, in that one. Let's talk about coming up on Saturday. You're going to have a continuation, I guess, of the open audition for the quarterback job at Ole Miss as the Rebels <laughs> at 7 p.m. Eastern welcome Central Arkansas to Oxford. What did we learn about Jackson Dart, though, maybe in that performance um, against Troy last Saturday? I, I, I think from what... Uh, what was said uh, from Lane that he, he 18 of 27, 154. Now, the, the thing that we talked about in the preseason was how they might be able to really run the ball. Zach, yeah. Evans, Zach Evans is a star. Uh, 20 for 130. Uh, the Junkins kid uh, had 87 himself. Uh, so that was impressive. Uh, Lane was not happy in the second half. The offense had three turnovers uh, and a <laughs> how do you do this, Trav? And a punt after a 13-play, 75-yard scoring drive <laughs> to open the third quarter. But uh, but but still, it'll be interesting to see how Luke Altmaier does uh, in the game. Um, uh, but the good thing is for Ole Miss, uh, they've got some time. Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa before they play. Uh, Kentucky, so yes, uh, still a lot of work to do uh, in Oxford right now. Yeah, Ole Miss in the game against Troy didn't have a receiver with more than 33 receiving yards. Not used to seeing that. Michael Trigg, the SC tight end transfer with 33 receiving yards. A couple of transfers, I guess. Malik Keith uh, with a touchdown grab 
in that win over Troy as well. So as we keep it moving here and we look ahead to Auburn welcoming San Jose State, that's a 7.30 Eastern kickoff on Saturday night. Uh, wow, T.J. Finley, uh, the turnovers uh, weren't, weren't a bright spot in Auburn's win over Mercer last Saturday. Uh, are, are we are we really still in sort of derby mode when it comes to that position? And is Robbie Ashford perhaps the guy that could emerge in all of this? I'm not sure that uh, that's not what they're trying to see happen, uh, because frankly, Finley was average. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of ways, Travis. He, he, I mean, he's had his moments during his career, but but Finley can be very average. Uh, all in all, I mean, the defense looked fine. I mean, you never go wrong uh, by giving it to Tank Bigsby. Basically, average of first down every carry. 9.2 uh, is a uh, – that covers a multitude of sins. But I but I would agree with you. I, I, Travis, it, it's obvious they're, they are grooming Robbie Ashford for maybe a whole lot more than we're seeing right now. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch in it in a big game in that this is pretty much it right before you get Penn State. Yes. Uh, making that trip to the Plains in a couple Saturdays. So need to clean some things up if you're the Auburn Tigers uh, there in the passing game and at the quarterback position. Also on Saturday night at 730 Eastern, Brian Kelly, Saturday night debut in oh, Baton wow. Rouge. <laughs> What a few days it's been for Brian Kelly, right? Uh, hey, look, kudos to LSU. I know we both picked the Tigers to beat Florida State in New Orleans, and they were thoroughly, I wouldn't say dominated, they were just dysfunctional, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they, they finally got into more of a rhythm in the passing game, and you saw Jaden Daniels there in the second half really pick it up. It felt like in the first half that Kayshawn Booty and a couple of the other LSU receivers might just walk out of the building. Yes. Joel, it was that yes. bad. The body language was bad, too. And so, you know, if I'm an LSU fan and I'm wondering about the culture shift, that was problematic for me. Yes. Um, but, again, made the comeback there in the fourth quarter, had the opportunity to send the game to overtime, get the PAT blocked, uh, a one-point loss to Florida State and what was essentially – or should have been a home game. I know Florida yes. State traveled especially well over there, so good for them. Um, but some positives still, I think, that you can take away from this. LSU fans don't want to hear it because they look at the schedule that's still in front of them and think, man, where are even six, seven, eight wins going to come from? Uh, agreed. Uh, now, Kelly can still coach, uh, but they just had a had an awful debut in this situation. I give a lot of credit to Florida State. They were they were ready to play. This is another situation to where you've got a coach in his third year as opposed to a coach in his first year. And I think that made a difference. Daniels got some better as it went along. Certainly give LSU credit for a 99-yard drive. But the thing I'm going to concentrate on here, you and I grew up with a couple of coaches that said, and you've got to be strong in the kicking game. Oh, so, man. so Trav, uh, uh, listen, a lot of people have made the, uh, I mean, we know they did, but, but the question of did they even practice the kicking game uh, as far as, 
catching punts, uh, get field goal blocked, extra point blocked. Uh, and, and listen, you, you pointed this out. And by the way, Mason Smith's ACL injury was awful. That uh, was terrible. Uh, uh, just celebrating. But you pointed this out on Twitter uh, was uh, the, the fact that early, Trev, early on in the season, a kicking yeah. game, kicking game can cost you a ball game. And that's basically what happened here. You see it a ton. Um, and for LSU, the left side of its field goal PAT team just yes. failed on a couple occasions, the block field goal. But then on the extra point there at the end of the game, you've got a true freshman at the wing back position on the left side. Right. He got caught up in the outside rusher and sort of left the gate open inside and you know, credit Florida state made a hell of a play there and, and got the block and, 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 and salvaged the win. But um, yeah, plenty to clean up for LSU. Uh, I think Daniels and the way he sort of responded credit to him. Uh, I thought that was impressive. Uh, but the Mason Smith, that, that was awful because, uh, not only is he an elite player and a critical piece to that defensive line, but you know, the guy's celebrating a play by a teammate yeah. and, oh, yeah. uh, non-contact injury there, ACL out for the remainder of the season. Hey, you know what else we've got this Saturday? <laughs> we've got late night with the Pirates. Oh, I love that. I out love in that. Tucson. I know you do. I know you love that. 11 p.m. <laughs> Eastern kickoff. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh, from the it's amazing. Oh, I mean, you know, that's, well, I mean, we had it with Vandy at Hawaii, basically. We did. A we couple did. weeks ago. So why not just uh, keep it up with Mississippi State going to Arizona and you know, if there was a second most impressive performance on yeah. Saturday by an SEC team, might have been Mississippi State in the way it Could've took been. apart Memphis there in Starkville. Boy, uh, Will Rogers just video game numbers wouldn't it travel thirty-eight of forty-nine, four fifty-five touchdowns, twelve different targets in the passing game, ran ran eighty-three plays, just mm-hmm. totally. Uh, I, I mean, they got ahead 35 to 10, uh, and, and basically just coasted from there. Now this won't be an easy game for them at all, uh, with, with Arizona. But, uh, but again, I, I'm, I'm greatly amused that I don't remember an SEC game starting at 11 o'clock in quite a while, but Trev, my big question with this is, will pops be up to watch or, <laughs> or will he hit, will he need a nap before that game? Kicks pops off? will catch a quarter, you know, <laughs> he'll catch a quarter to maybe, um, yeah, that's going to be fun. And, and Arizona kind of low key with an impressive yes. road performance in the new stadium at San Diego state over the weekend, got the job done. So, uh, yeah, we'll be up late. I'll be up late in Austin, Texas, uh, for that one. And speaking of Austin, Texas, oh. we're going to wrap things up on the latest edition of second helping by talking about Alabama making the trip to Austin for the first time since 1922. So a hundred years have passed since the Crimson Tide, uh, has made that trip. We've, this series has largely been about Texas in nine games. Most of those games have been in bowl postseason scenarios. Of course, Alabama, the last time these two teams met, took a national championship win in the 2010 BCS championship game out in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Alabama, a 55 to nothing winner over Utah State last weekend. 
Bryce Young accounts for six touchdowns. Maybe not the explosiveness in the passing game that we saw from Alabama on a weekly basis a year ago, but red zone efficiency and a defense that has been anticipated throughout the offseason and into the season to be perhaps the best in the country post the shutout of the Aggies. I still think we will see more from Jameer Gibbs, nine for 93. I think what caught my attention, Treshawn Holden, Jermaine Burton, uh, Kobe Prentice, each with five catches. Bama defense was suffocating uh, in in many ways. Uh, now, Texas started well. Give Quentin Ewers credit, uh, 225 uh, and two touchdowns. By the way, uh, Jai Hall's suspension is over, the former Alabama wide receiver. Uh, Jalil Billingsley, who's been quite a knucklehead, frankly, at tight end, is still suspended for five more games. Trev, I think the bottom line to me here is now Texas will be motivated. Uh, they will be uh, – and I think they will play well for – a decent amount of the game, but the, the, the and I think Texas beat writers will tell you the same thing. And we've talked about this during the preseason. Their offensive lines nowhere near where they want it to be, uh, and they just don't have the roster compared to to Alabama. If Bama plays a clean game here. Um, I'm not going to say they'll name the score necessarily, but I think they will win comfortably uh, in a game that. Uh, Trev, to me, the, one of the more interesting thing is is how many promos Fox can put on because they know they only have Alabama ever so often. Well, you're going to have both the pregame shows out in Austin this week. College That's game right. day is going to be oh, yeah. there. Uh, what is it? Big noon kickoff that yes. Fox calls their deals. Yes. Both going to be out there. Um, you're right. This is essentially an SEC game for the future. Yep. So Fox better enjoy it while they can because no, no uh, ABC ESPN is about to own these yep. uh, for the foreseeable future. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think for Alabama, it starts with limiting Bizon Robinson mm-hmm. in his scrimmage yards in the game because he is so good with that Texas offense as both a runner and a receiver. He did it even last week against ULM in the opener for the Longhorns and I think Quinn Ewers has a lot of ability, a lot of upside, but absolutely, you want to put this game in his hands as much as possible, even with Xavier Worthy on the outside and you know some of the other receiving options uh, that he has to work with, like Jordan Whittington. They have a tight end that has emerged here as a true freshman in place of a Jalil Billingsley and Jatavian Sanders. So there are weapons for this Tennessee, or for, excuse me, this Texas offense. But yeah, the lines of scrimmage are are somewhat problematic. It's almost like Pitt and Tennessee in a way, in that you anticipate Pitt being the better team, maybe up front on Saturday against uh, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. But then Tennessee still has that weaponry um, uh, to to hurt you uh, on the offensive side. I think there's though probably more of a discrepancy in terms of the lines of scrimmage, even with Alabama and Texas, than there is Tennessee and Pitt and Texas starting a couple of true freshmen on that offensive line, including one at left tackle. So (laughs) we'll see how that works with Alabama's edge presence. Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, and the rest of those guys. So Brent, there you go. 
a little bit of a review while we preview the upcoming week of SEC play. Uh, Travis, I'll end with this. Um, To me, if game day had gone to BYU and Baylor, uh, that that would not have been a bad idea either. That's like a 10-15 start, uh, Trev, outside the SEC footprint. That, to me, is one of the more fascinating uh, games of the day. Yeah, you know, we continue to not really talk about either of those teams, and they're both the kind of teams that you don't want to play. Absolutely not. These days. And, uh, boy, Dave Aranda, he's got Baylor right there in the top ten, right? He does. Um, really so does. they don't have the look of a one-hit wonder from a year ago, in no, other words. No. Um, they look like a team, whereas we're going to talk so much about Oklahoma and Texas moving on to the SEC uh, I don't know if many folks will be surprised if it's Baylor that makes it back-to-back Big 12 championships out there in that league. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here? Uh, Travis, our prayers go to uh, the family of Guy Morris, uh, the former Kentucky yeah. and Baylor head coach, passed away at 71, which, believe me, that gets younger every day uh, in, in many ways. Trev, unfortunately, and my mother battled this, he had Alzheimer's disease uh, that took him away from us. But uh, and look, he he wasn't a great coach, but at the same time, uh, left a lot of memories and uh, certainly sad to see his demise. It is. Um, I think he is a guy as a coach that unfortunately will always think of the uh the bluegrass miracle right for yep, lsu right. up there in lexington when it looked like well kentucky did have the game one and uh nick saban coached lsu team just mm-hmm. absolutely stole one they did. uh from the wildcats up there in the bluegrass but yeah definitely echo that sentiments where guy morris and his family and friends are concerned Brent Beard, always great stuff with us here on the Second Helping Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we hope you'll do so. Anywhere you consume podcasts, you're going to find the Second Helping Pod. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer for Brent Beard and executive producer Bill Oakley. Thanks again. And until next time, so long, everybody.